0: is it smith the final piece that the cleveland browns defense needed we talk about that look at the minnesota vikings perspective of the zadarius smith situation I'll also talk about the los angeles chargers getting six primetime games all that and more coming up next on this monday edition of locked on nfl you are locked on nfl your daily nfl podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Welcome to another edition of Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostreicher, and we're here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team. Every day, thank you so much for tuning in today. Making Locked On NFL your first listen each and every day. You can subscribe for free, both in video form and in audio form. And today's episode of Locked On NFL is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more visit FanDuel.com locked on today. To get started, and we are here today breaking down the biggest stories across the league, and of course, me being one of the NFL's experts here on our channel, I'll be doing that for you with the help of our other NFL experts. As first, we'll be talking with Jeff Lloyd of Locked On Browns about the Sedarius Smith trade. Of course, Minnesota, the Vikings, trading Sedarius Smith to the Browns, and we'll talk about if Sedarius Smith is the final piece that that Cleveland Browns defense needs. Then in the second segment, we'll flip over and talk with Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings, as obviously Minnesota traded him to Cleveland, so we'll get the Minnesota side of things from Luke. And then finally, we'll flip over to the Los Angeles Chargers. Daniel Wade of Locked On Chargers will be helping us break down the Chargers schedule. And I'm getting a league-high six primetime games, tied with a couple other teams in there too. So a ton to dive into here on Locked On NFL, so without any further ado, let's first dive into our conversation with Jeff Lloyd of Locked On Browns. The Cleveland Browns they made a splash on Friday. They got Zedaria Smith from Minnesota Vikings here to talk about that with me. As the host of Locked On Browns, Jeff Lloyd. And Jeff, it seemed like Cleveland, you no know, and Clowney not coming back here. The Browns they wanted to get someone next to Miles Garrett. And they get that was Darius Smith, who obviously from his time in Baltimore, Green Bay, Minnesota, has proven to be one of the better pass rushers in this league. Were you surprised that the Cleveland actually went out there and, and got this guy?
1: I would say the guy, yes. I think if you had spoken to any Cleveland Browns fan, of course, everybody that does what we do in content, um, we would have thought maybe the Browns were still interested, maybe a, def- a veteran defensive tackle. Um, but then. You look at it and, you know, here's a player. And look, Kevin, obviously you got the opportunity to cover him. Um, We talked about him when he was first leaving Baltimore as a player. You know, we thought maybe that would be a nice fit. Then, you know, goes to Green Bay. Um, Then he's leaving Green Bay. And it's like, all right, well, here's the possibility. It didn't happen. Oh, maybe he's going back to Baltimore. Oh, wait, that didn't happen. So now he's available once again. And it was like, well, it, maybe here's a shot. And there were some talks um between the, the two at the time. Um, And you get this guy and you get this player and – They've always been smart about how they use Jadavian Clowney. They try to get, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, of course, Miles Garrett. They don't want Miles to be the whole show because when Miles got to be the whole show, which we saw last year in 2022, you can devote a lot to it if you're an offense. you know. So the thing is, is the joy of having essentially Superman is to make sure Superman gets one-on-ones. Superman wins one-on-ones. So you bring in a player like Zedaria Smith. But now this is what I like about it is, you know, Miles is a great player. And he, there is some leadership to him. But that's something you're you're either born with or you're not. It's innate. It's in who you are. So Darius Smith is that guy. I mean, I don't remember if he was a captain for the Ravens, but he was a captain for the Packers. He was also a captain for the Vikings. So he comes in. If you go back to the day of the NFL Pro Bowl, the day Kobe Bryant passed away, he was the one that set up at halftime when these guys all heard the news. They all did the fade away. You know, after a turnover, he's just got that you know personality to him. And the Browns need those type of guys on that defense. It's one thing to have a bunch of great players. But it's going to have to have the guys that hold it all together. Uh, You know, 10 sacks last year. You know, a lot, a lot of QB hurries. And there's times where he's really good against the run when he can buy in. But the Browns already have Miles Garrett. They have Ogbierne Akaronquo. They have Zedaria Smith now. You have Isaiah McGuire. you drafted in the third round. Then you still have Alex Wright and Isaiah Thomas from last year. So there's a chance, as you understand these guys are getting older, you can give them less reps. Try to get the most out of them. And the thing I really love about this is – you look at the two teams that played in the Super Bowl last year. Kansas City Chiefs, what they do in the first round? Drafted an edge rusher. Philadelphia Eagles, look at that defensive line. And what did they do in the first round? Two picks. Drafted another defensive tackle and drafted another defensive end. Kevin, like it's the calling card. The thing is we can't cover everybody, so the plan is to get to the quarterback to compensate for the fact we know we can't cover everybody.
0: And look, Jeff, we've been working together for a long time. I know you've been pounding the table for defensive line forever for this team. And I think this is a great addition for them. And I know the whole Jadavian Clowney stint in Cleveland, I don't think went the way that many wanted it to. I mean, how big of an upgrade? I know health is a big thing here, but how big of an upgrade is a Darius Smith from a Jadavian Clowney?
1: Well, look, the first year of Jadavian Clowney at, I think it was what, almost $9 million? It was fantastic. Um, year two at $14.5 million. You got nothing, you and this is why Jadavian Clowney has you know never you know, and look a great player, but the problem is is Jadavian Clowney can't get out of his own head sometimes, and you know, you were getting 14 and a half million dollars anyway. So, why did you you know you know, in the in the talks of maybe Miles Garrett was being well, how did you think this was gonna work? Did you think they were not trying to do everything they can to set Miles Garrett up? Because ideally. You want Miles Garrett when it is in nickel or dime to say, you know what, you kick outside because this guard is terrified, just staring at me. So I'm going to ball pass. You want Miles Garrett to do whatever Miles Garrett can do. You know, freelance. He is that type of guy. But it means sometimes, you know, you're going to get different. But you tell them you're going to play nickel and dime. You know, here was a team that was struggling, was going to play 11 games with a backup quarterback. You don't need the malcontents. You know, it, it's weird to have malcontents on the Cleveland Browns because usually malcontents come from teams. Where they've always won, and you know, so it's like, oh well, you're entitled, and you know, they, so it was just better. But the thing, and that's why the Zadarius Smith thing is huge because he is a team guy and he's about doing his job, uh, and you know, and everybody playing together, playing within a unit, he understands the opportunity here. And if you look at it from the Browns standpoint, they had a lot of issues getting into the quarterback last year, but it was you know, 15 for Miles, 10 for Zaydarius Smith, eight for Okorangu. There's 33. That's pretty much more sacks than the Browns had last year anyway to begin with. So now what does everybody else do? And you have a team that gets after the quarterback. Well, but the Browns need more guys who are bought in, in less individual. You know, they had that early on the offensive side of the football, which cost them basically a season and a half. And then they had it last year on the defensive side of the ball, which cost them another half a season.
0: Yeah. And now I think with not only what they've done with the player side of things, with the coaching side of things, Jim Schwartz is the new guy. It's there. not going to
1: happen under that. It's not going to happen under him.
0: Nope. You you have to have you have to be disciplined. I mean, the Jim Swartz defense you have to be disciplined in that unit. How how does Darius Smith fit into what Jim Schwartz wants to do now with, with Cleveland?
1: Well, I think what it is is you know it you understand when you 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 have a player like Miles and it's the freelance ability to do whatever you have to do. Darius Smith, he, you know his hurries they're even still contested, but he has a great ability of inner strength to walk blockers back even if he cannot get off it. So like he understands, all right, I'm just gonna pull I'm gonna bowl this even if it's not going to lead to anything, because guess what? Even if I did, I'm sort of in the way because now the quarterback has to manipulate his pocket. He's got to step up. He's got to go the other route. So that's going to be key because miles, it could be on a stunt. It could be on the inside of the the left tackle. It could be on the outside of left tackle. So you want to limit what the quarterback can do within the pocket. You know, most of these sacks happen because guess what? You know, one tackle was pushed back, a guard was pushed back, and the only spot you have it's congested. And this is key, obviously, Kevin. Now it's different. Now the Ravens, we talked about this for two years. We weren't sure what the future was. You know what it is now? Uh, of course, you know the all the AFC North is playing the AFC South this year. Anthony Richardson. You think early on he's going to be that type of player as well? So you need these guys that are going to be able to collapse and keep everything in the middle, especially as we start to gravitate more and more to you know athletic. Greatly gifted running quarterbacks in the NFL, along with the fact that they all oh, can throw the ball,
0: right? In the AFC North, it's going to be one heck of a division. The this AFC year. is just—it's just scary.
1: <laughs> the, whole, the entire AFC is absolutely scary. There's going to be—I—I I, I would not be surprised if we ended up with either one or two teams with ten wins that maybe don't make the playoffs in the AFC. That is yeah. how ridiculously yep. deep it is. It—it it is unbelievable.
0: It's—it it's, it, it is a stacked conference. You look at the NFC, you're like what's going on over there? The AFC has everybody in it. So that's going to be super competitive, but the the schedule dropped Jeff for all the teams on Thursday night. What'd you like about Cleveland's schedule and what didn't you like?
1: Well, the back nine speak Kevin seems very, very favorable. Um, You know, a lot of the easier games are on the back end of the schedule Uh, that Thursday night game in week 17 against the jets. And you know, the Browns, the ultimate goal is, you know, that you're trying to win the AFC North. So if you had 10 days of rest, and we all agree probably that the Bengals right now are the best in showing the AFC North. I think we're all safe in saying that. But then you have 10 days to go play the Cincinnati Bengals and hopefully what you is an opportunity to either secure, steal, whatever, the AFC North. The, the beginning is, you know, that first six weeks, that's tough, man. I ain't going to lie because, you know, obviously it's you guys, uh, you know, the Steelers, the Titans, you know, the Bengals, I'm not going to put their defense there yet, although DJ Reader's a beast. But then they have the bye week and it's the Niners. That's a lot of physicality, man, over the first six weeks, even with a buy, because everybody's like, oh, well, the early buy. I'm like, well, look who they're playing two through four. They're all physical. And then you got to come right back for San Francisco. Uh, But they don't travel much, which is good. There's some games that could look favorable for them. Jacksonville coming to Cleveland in December that looks like that could maybe be a little bit more advantageous to them. You know, maybe that game doesn't play as well, you know, when it's 30 and wins for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, But the other thing is, and everybody gets so up in arms about it. Look, we all know what the schedules are. The question is, when did the games actually come? Um, There was going to be a tough spot. You know, they could either go one of two ways. I mean, you know, they could kind of run away and hide because by week 10, they'll play five of six conference games. And then they have a soft back nine before, you know, closing with Cincinnati. Or it's going to be really, really hard to gain ground because you're, you know, even if they have a great second half, they only have one division game. So how much ground, you know, I mean, it's almost going to feel like you're just treading water every week because what are the odds that everybody in the North is going to lose every week, especially considering that there's going to be weeks where they're all playing each other.
0: Big shout out to Jeff for hopping on, talking to Darius Smith. And for more on Jeff's work, be sure to check out the Locked On Browns podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Coming up in the second part of the show, we'll be diving into the other side of that Zedaria Smith trade with Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings. So be sure to stay tuned. A ton to dive into on Locked On NFL. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back. And bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. And conference finals are set. And I'm a big Denver Nuggets guy, so I'm, I'm excited for this conference finals. They're, they're going up against the Lakers. So if you want to look at FanDuel's odds on that, they have a ton that they offer. They have great promotions every day. They're a safe and secure app, and you can also get paid instantly. There's no better place that all the action. Then America's number one sports book in FanDuel. Visit fanduel.com slash to get a no sweat first, but it's $1,000. That's fanduel.com slash locked FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. We're back. Our second segment, Locked On NFL, here on Monday. Kevin Ostreicher, still here with you. We just talked with Jeff Lloyd of Locked On Browns about Zadarius Smith trade, but we're going to get the other perspective now. Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings will join us and we'll dive into the Minnesota side of things, why it potentially made sense for Minnesota here, the compensation, also Dalvin Cook and what could be nice for him in Minnesota. So let's get into that now. The Minnesota Vikings had a busy Friday trading Darius Smith to the Cleveland Browns. Here to talk about that and more with me is Luke Braun, the host of Locked on Vikings. And Luke, with this deal, there's a lot to dive into because obviously the Z'Darrius Smith era kind of started off weird with the whole Baltimore situation. Yeah. He signed there and then didn't, then signed, then didn't. Had a really good year with Minnesota, but it just seems like the, when the offseason started, it wasn't meant to be anymore. That the Vikings move on from him, trade him to Cleveland, they get something for him. I mean, were you su- were you surprised this deal happened? And what are you gonna remember about the Zadarius Smith Vikings era? Yeah,
2: Zadarius Smith was a grand old time. Like I, I think there's never gonna be any ill will with Vite like we were just a stop on his journey from here to there. Okay. Um but I mean he came to the Vikings and immediately gave them a uh, an, a burst of energy. I think that they were missing a, a real, like the, the, a real locker room impact, I, I guess is what I would say. Um, but yeah, the, the deal didn't surprise me very much. We knew that he wanted a better contract um, and he was, you know, he didn't want to play on the provisional version of the contract he signed when everybody was worried about his back played every game of the season. And he wanted, you know, to, to be, uh, for that to be recognized in his contract, uh, but whatever negotiation they had, you know, he asked for his release earlier in the offseason. The Vikings say, Well, let's try to work something out after the draft, and then after the draft comes, they try to work something out, must have been a non starter because it didn't uh, go very far, and then they start fielding trade offers. They flip him to the Browns for meager compensation, so great stuff for the Browns. You know, con- considering that they also don't even take on the full contract. The Vikings actually take on some of the cap in the deal, too. Um, but, you know, they got what they could for him. And it's sort of a, all right, yeah, this contract doesn't work for you anymore. So we'll we'll go our separate ways, but we'll at least get something back. Um, but it was really, I, I guess, if that were the, was the way Zedaria Smith was going to handle it, it was always going to be a one-year rental, and that's okay.
0: And wasn't he? You mentioned locker room. Wasn't he the one who started the chain thing for them?
2: Uh, Allegedly, yes. He was the (laughs) first one to give uh, Kirk Cousins the chain on the plane uh, back from, I believe it was Washington. And then everybody else started getting in, but the report. sources tell me <laughs> that this <that laughs> is Darius Smith was the first.
0: Yeah. Inside information here. This is what you tune into <laughs> the show for the inside sources about the chains with Kirk cousins. But I know th- there's been a lot of storylines surrounding Minnesota this offseason. season. Luke, another one being Dalvin cook seems like th- there's a split there between the two. Obviously at at least the time this morning is not official, but, but does that shock you at all that they're moving on seemingly so quickly here?
2: That has been known for a while. Um, the the reporting the rumors and conjecture have all been about whether or not the vikings could find a trade partner but it's been known for a while that dalvin cook's not going to be a viking there might be something a, a delay based on having to wait until june 1st um you know if you, if your team cut a player with a post june 1st designation you don't get those cap savings until it is actually after june 1st and that cap space might need be what that team needs to facilitate Dalvin cook. So maybe that's the holdup here, or maybe they're just trying to kind of hold out and uh, try to get a trade partner, but they won't. There's now, I, I think um, a, a little bit more conjecture about them just releasing him, which is also fine. Uh, either way, he's yeah, he's not going to be a Viking and the running back room is going to be Alexander Madison and backup singers.
0: Is, is is there any reason why this is going like is there any reason why they're moving on from him at this point it's a contract age Money. injuries
2: yeah it's just it's i think it's time the contract that he signed in 2020 kind of always felt like a three-year deal with a five-year deal on it um so it was yeah it, it wasn't uh it's not that surprising to see them kind of move on from here this this was sort of the At this point, I mean, he costs like $14 million. You kind of knew, all right, they're not going to pay a running back $14 million when he's got a shoulder made out of pulled pork, which he just did have a surgery on. So we are told that that's not going to be an issue anymore. But obviously, you know, you got to see it to believe it. Um, And they have, you know, they like Alexander Madison. They brought him back. They've now got two running backs that that Kwasi drafted. know, Dalvin Cook was a Rick Spielman guy. So was Madison. Um, So. Yeah, now they have um, a room that I think they feel better about going by committee and it's it's not very Sean McVay ish to go with like a bell cow. And Kevin O'Connell is a Sean McVay guy. It's it's a lot more common in those offenses to see a truer committee.
0: Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. You say they feel good about that room. Look, but how do you feel about that room with Madison seemingly being the lead guy with the others filling in?
2: I, there's too many unknowns. I don't know. I, I like, I don't even know who's going to make the team. Who's going to play. Um, Madison has always been kind of just a guy to me. I've never been the biggest Madison Madison fan. I even thought he was going to maybe be a surprise camp cut last year. He proved me way wrong. Uh, and I actually think he had the best season of his career uh, in 2022. So maybe that he's kind of found a new way to be, but he, he's a, he's a North South up and down thumper. He's a goal line back, that kind of guy. And guys like Ty Chandler and uh, and Kenny Wongu Wong will give us like a speedier element uh, and Ty Chandler in particular can do a lot of the utility stuff in the past game, pass pro and stuff. Those are kind of his strengths. And then Dwayne McBride wasn't really involved in the pass game at all. Uh, in at UAB, but he's super electric and dynamic in space. So maybe that's the guy, you know, you give a screen to, or you have a, you know, just try to give him a sweep to the outside and, and get him one-on-one with a cornerback or something.
0: Yeah. It's going to be interesting how they maneuver that room. I mean, I, I like Madison. I like Chandler. I like McBride, but obviously, you know, Dalvin cook has the proven track record. So we'll see how they maneuver there. But Luke, in terms of the schedule it dropped on Thursday night, what would you like? And what did you not like about that for them? I thought it dropped
2: okay for them. Um, I I don't know. The order of games can only really be so much of a factor. But hey, the only cold weather game they have in December, the only outdoor game they have in December is in Cincinnati. That could be worse, right? They they aren't going to Lambeau in in December or January. They aren't going to Soldier Field December or January. Those are the kind of when those home field advantages get the the most intense uh, and you don't have to do any of that. Um, They don't have any super crazy road trips. They have one where they go to Vegas and then the next week they play in Cincinnati. Uh, So you're changing time zones a lot, but otherwise they, they have, they only have back to back road games one other time in the whole season. Um, It's very interesting that they end this with two of three games against the lions week 16 and 18 are both against the lions. If that is where the division comes down to, and it very much could, uh, to be a pretty interesting way to wrap out the season, to have, you know, if the Vikings and Lions are both at the top of the division, not actually seeing each other until the very end and then playing each other twice and over the span of, you know, 14 days, that's
0: pretty crazy. Huge shout out to Luke for talking, Zedaria Smith, Dalvin Cook, Vikings schedule, a ton of Vikings content there. And for more Vikings content, be sure to check out Luke's work over at the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day but coming up in our final segment we'll be talking with daniel wade of locked on chargers about the chargers getting a league high six primetime games quentin johnston and more so be should sure to stay tuned a lot still to come here on locked on nfl we're back rounding out locked on nfl monday style kevin austriker still here with you rocking with you on this monday the day after mother's day so i hope all the mothers out there had a great mother's day again shout out to my mom i love you mom and everything that you've done for me and i hope everybody had again a great day with their moms are celebrating their moms. So now we're going to dive into Locked On Chargers with Daniel Wade here and talk about the Chargers and and why they got a league-high six primetime games. We'll talk about the Quentin Johnston pick and a lot more. So let's dive into that now. Los Angeles Chargers, one of the – NFL's primetime darling six <laughs> games the max here for Los Angeles here to talk about that and more with me Daniel Wade one of the hosts over at Locked On Chargers and Daniel this is a team obviously it's, it's a expl- explosive with Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams etc this is an explosive offense and hey they have pieces on defense too they absolutely do there obviously I think they want a bit more from that unit but we yeah. will see what they do were you surprised that the Chargers ended up being one of these teams that got the max amount of primetime games?
3: I was a little bit. Uh, I mean, I think when you look back at their last season and, you know, five primetime games last year, it was kind of surprising to me and they didn't win a lot of them, but a lot of them ended up being pretty good games. So I think maybe that played a factor in it too. I mean, especially the only thing I think that was surprising is that you got six primetime games and none of them are Chargers Chiefs because since Justin Herbert has taken over, I mean, those games have come down to the wire pretty much every time. He's only taken them down one time, you know, the great Patrick Mahomes, but Those games seem to always kind of live up to the hype. It's going to be really interesting, man, because like the Chargers have a lot going on. There's a lot to prove, I think, in this season for the head coach, for the general manager, Justin Herbert. I think we all kind of know what he is at this point, but like, it's going to be under the the spotlight, right? It's going to be under the magnifying glass. Like, you better hope you're good because if you're not, you're going to be seen a lot by the whole, you know, country, and you're going to have to prove it kind of, you know, six times out of 17 games, man. It's going to be crazy. And then you have Week 18, which is Chargers-Chiefs. I think all you're hoping is, hey, maybe that game means something in Week 18. Maybe that game gets flexed into primetime. Like, it's, it's going to be crazy, man. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of primetime games.
0: Yeah, it definitely is. And I know with the schedule dropping, you know, you get that information. But I know with some of these players the Chargers have, Daniel Austin Eckler has been a huge part of what they've done on offense over the course of his Chargers tenure. But there's a little bit of turmoil there, it seems, right now. Do you have any updates on the situation and whether Eckler will be a member of the Chargers or just playing for them this year?
3: The latest update was that during the draft, there was basically nothing that came into the Chargers as far as other teams being interested in trying to pull something off with them for it. And it's a very complicated situation, Kevin, because the running back market is so bad right now, right? Me and you talked about it a little bit before we got on. It's just like, I don't see a situation or a scenario. And I, I guess I would say besides major injury, right? A major bell cow back, which there's only a few of them now in the NFL goes down. Maybe that changes the picture a little bit. But for the Chargers, if you're going to lose the guy who had 38 touchdowns for you the last two seasons, like you would think you'd be wanting an immediate contributor from that, right? You'd think you'd want a, a pick in this last draft class in the 2023 draft, and they didn't get it. And what they need or what Austin Eckler needs in this situation is not only to go find someone willing to trade draft compensation for him, right? Trade a fifth round, sixth round pick for him, but also give him a double digit million dollar extension. That starts at the age of 29. This is going to, you know, he's going to have his age 28 season this year. So whatever extension happens isn't going to be starting until he's 29. And you look at like Zeke Elliott's 27 years old, right? Like these running backs are not getting paid that at that part of their career. They're not getting that third contract, which is what Austin Eckler is getting. And man, the dude has outproduced his contract a ton. Like he deserves a a raise. He deserves an extension, but it's such a tricky game when you're talking about running backs who can just hit that production cliff, right? I think his game ages well, but to think someone's going to give him, you know, a two, three year, 10 plus million dollar extension and trade the Chargers draft compensation for it. I don't think it's going to happen. And I think that's a good thing for the Chargers because they really need him this year. Like this is a contending year for them. I don't think they would be able to, you know, recoup anywhere near the value he's going to bring to the 2023 season
0: yeah and he, he provides so much for them and the running back position is just in such a bad spot right yeah now. I, I I hope for the sake of those guys it's able to get a little better but the chargers they take a position that i think is flourishing in the first round and wide receiver Quentin johnston out of tcu at 21 how does he kind of fit what the chargers want to do and how'd you like the rest of their draft
3: right, so kevin's only asking this because he's the host of lockdown ravens and he knows i wanted zay flowers so he's rubbing in my face a little bit here no but It grew on me. It wasn't the guy I wanted right away. I mean, I think the testing numbers kind of put him in the pack with the rest of those guys. Because when you're talking about physically, right, there was one dude who stood out, you know, literally in that group. And it was Quentin Johnston, right? The only guy over six foot that was taken in the first round. He's 6'2", over 200 pounds. And then, you know, talking about other guys like Zay Flowers, 5'8", 5'9", you know, Jordan Addison, 5'11", Jackson Smith and Jigba, right? Another sub-six foot guy. So, like, he was kind of in his own you know tier there as far as guys with size and the chargers don't take guys who are under six foot right like tom telesco in his entire career has taken one five to ten and under wide receiver and the dude got cut before the season started so like they have a type we probably should have seen the writing on the wall all along because that's the kind of guy they go for you know keenan allen six foot three mike williams six foot four like they like that type of receiver and i do think the part that's grown on me is seeing how he fits, right? Because Keenan Allen plays great outside. And last year, what happened was Keenan Allen, when he was in there and he wasn't injured, had to play a ton on the outside because the third receiver was someone like DeAndre Carter, who's a small guy. Michael Bandy, an undrafted free agent who's 5'10", you know, 190 pounds. And like, we didn't get to see Keenan Allen used the way he's used best. With Quentin Johnston in the mix, now you have a situation where you can have him on the outside and Mike Williams on the outside with Keenan Allen in the slot. And I think for maximum efficiency... That was the best way to go, and you have someone next year, right, Kevin? When Keenan Allen's gonna be making thirty plus million dollars next year? Mike Williams is also gonna be making thirty plus million dollars next year because of the restructures they did to have space this season. You're giving yourself a plan, right? You're you're not putting yourself in a box to where next year you're gonna have to make some tough decisions with no backup plan, with no contingencies in place. So immediately, I think he fills one big role: yards after the catch teams love to play justin herbert with deep safeties and make him have to go underneath now you actually have someone that can punish that right look back to the georgia game in the semifinals the college football playoff like this dude was running away from opposing defenses clocked in over 21 miles an hour on the gps so like he brings that to the table one of the most electric you know him and zay Flowers, is the two most electric yards after the catch guys in this draft he fits that immediately but i also like that they're building for the future and just not being content with the weapons that they had, the speed that they had. They had a huge lack of speed. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, that's not their game. He brings some undoubted explosiveness to the offense, and I like that part of it, and I like more the fact that they're committed to just surrounding Justin Herbert with as many weapons as possible.
0: Huge thanks to Daniel, and for more on the Chargers, be sure to check out Daniel's work over at the Locked On Chargers podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked On NFL. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, be sure to subscribe to the channel on YouTube, follow along in audio form, subscribe for free, no money involved here on Locked On NFL. Thank you for tuning in again. We'll see you right back here tomorrow with your Tuesday hosts, more NFL content. So thank you for tuning in to this Monday edition of Locked On NFL, and we'll see you right back here tomorrow.